It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Bell breaks a tackle. Bell trying to go all the way. Le'Veon Bell. Touchdown. Big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. Touchdown. 85 yards. Looking downfield. Fires this one. And intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. This is day number eight of New York Jets training camp. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to recap the festivities over at Florham Park by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So, Chris, we were wondering if we were going to have enough stuff to talk about today. And sure enough, the Jets gave us a little gift. Yeah, they they certainly did. Uh, um, my Twitter handle is the process of being ratioed for the first time. So uh, that, that's interesting because of this. But they decided to go out and sign uh, former Panthers center Ryan Khalil to a, a contract. Khalil is 34 years old had recently retired. He is, uh, you know, a former five-time pro bowler. It was excellent when he was, uh, you know, young and in his prime. He is not that player anymore. Um, there's, there's a reason why he was getting ready to retire. Uh, I simply threw out a tweet just, you know, doubting, wondering how much of an upgrade he is over Jonathan Harrison, if he is at all. And Jets Twitter did not take that kindly. Uh, there, I guess everything's a little too positive right now, and that's a little bit, a tiny little bit of not even negativity or questioning, and they they didn't react well to it. But here we are. Uh, they they do did go ahead and sign him, which I didn't question the move because it makes sense to give it a try. Uh, just questioning, you know, how well, how. how fruitful this move is going to be is it going to be a huge win and a huge upgrade for the jets in the long run because obviously that's going to be what matters my reaction when i saw this was interesting but i'm not sure that it helps that much and i know a lot of people see the name ryan khalil and immediately start rolling off his resume and as you said chris they get mad at you when you express some skepticism but as you said he's 34 years old He's coming off a season where he really wasn't that good. He was okay at best. I know people are going to point to the PFF grade. Again, PFF is hilarious to me because people use it to suit their purposes when it supports their case. And when it doesn't, they write it off and say, who cares about PFF? The only real way to know how good or bad he was was to watch a lot of his tape. Joe Blewett is going to do that, and we'll get a more in-depth look. But from what I saw... He was at best okay last year. You can say that's an upgrade, and it very well may be because Jonathan Harrison has never started an entire season at center, and there's no guarantee that he was going to be even average. In fact, I would say that odds were he was probably going to be slightly below average. And yes, Khalil obviously has the leadership, the experience, 
and all of that. But for those that think that the Jets are getting the Ryan Khalil of five years ago or even three years ago, the guy that was a multiple-time pro bowler, that's not who the Jets are getting. The Jets are getting Ryan Khalil at the very end of his career. Think about what Nick Mangold was like at the end and then subtract quite a bit because I don't even think Khalil is as good as Mangold was at the end. I don't actually think he was close to as good as Mangold was at the end. And that's what you're getting. You're hoping for a guy that can come in here for a season and be an average player and provide some leadership and some guidance to both Darnold and the rest of the offensive linemen. And the amount of money the Jets spent is negligible, so it's not a big deal. But is he necessarily a major upgrade over Jonathan Harrison I would say fairly likely that he's not a major upgrade, maybe a minor upgrade, which again is fine, but you got to temper your expectations. Yeah, agreed all the way around. Uh, I had people responding to my tweet, just uh, throwing the PFF grades at me, and other people who had disagreed, even though they kind of agreed that, because, yes, center is much uh, a very cerebral position. And obviously, from that standpoint, I'm giving uh, Khalil the edge here. And uh, the experience, uh, the veteran, you know, his, the fact that he's a veteran, that's going to help. He can help uh, Sam Darnold and this Jets offense in some ways more than Jonathan Harrison can, sure. But he, he's had some injuries. He's 34 years old. He just, re- again, recently retired. Physically, I don't know if he ha- what he has left in the tank. So... It's it's absolutely possible he can be an upgrade over Jonathan Harrison. Uh, it's also, in my opinion, a possibility that he will not be an upgrade over him. But if he is an upgrade over him, it's not going to be some huge upgrade. Again, people are acting like I'm talking about somebody who's currently playing at a, a Pro Bowl level or a Hall of Fame level. He Yes, he went to Pro Bowls. That guy is gone, though. That guy is not coming back. The Pro Bowl level, Ryan Khalil, is no longer. Uh, he could maybe still be an upgrade for John Harrison. Again, they gave him an $8.4 million contract, but from what I saw, I, I didn't uh, look too much into details, but it's like $7 million of it is incentives. So they can basically <laughs> cut him in a week and not lose too much money. Um, it, he, again, he has the experience. He could definitely help in the classroom, and he could definitely help with the other guys. Uh, it would be good for Donald, but at physically, at 34 years old, how much does he have left? Um, I didn't I didn't watch the Panthers after Cam Newton went down last year. I wasn't going to waste my time doing that. But I do watch a, a good bit of Panthers especially when Cam Newton is healthy, and Ryan Khalil is not the same guy. He has not been, uh, so I have my doubts. Uh, fans can be angry about that, that's fine. They're not going to move me off that. And I'll be more than happy to be surprised if he goes out here and it turns out to be some ma- major upgrade. I'm good with that. I will wear, wear it on my sleeve and let you go ahead and slam me and criticize me all you want for it. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. 
They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. There's no downside to this move. So let's get that on the table right now. There's really nothing to lose. But, again, you need to understand where Ryan Khalil is at in his career. And you also have to keep this in mind. And I know a lot of people aren't talking about this right now, but it's reality. There's still a chance that Jonathan Harrison could beat out Ryan Khalil and win the starting center job. So for anybody that thinks that it's guaranteed that Khalil is the starting center now, I promise you that's not the way that Adam Gase and Frank Pollock are looking at this. They're looking at it as, here comes Khalil, an experienced center, to come in and give them insurance as a potential starting center. But if Harrison outplays Khalil in training camp in the preseason, they're going to start Harrison. Yeah, absolutely. They're not just going to, again, they gave him that huge, all those incentives in the deal, and that's for a reason. Uh, they're not just giving him 8.4 guaranteed. So if, if Harrison's better than him, then Harrison will start. And we don't, we're almost halfway through tra- uh, training camp now. Uh, we got, we're a week away from the first preseason game. So obviously, again, he's a veteran. He's a very smart guy, so he'll be able to pick up Gase's system. Uh, it won't take him too long to do that, but he's going to be coming in a little bit behind Harrison there. He's got his work cut out for him to do that, and of course, it's it's possible that he can do that, but I'm not ready to sit here and, and say that, yep, he's got the starting job. It's his, no problem, and Harrison won't sniff. Uh, the playing field at all because I just again I've I've watched him these last couple of years. He's not the player he once was. Whether he is better than Jonathan Harrison right now uh, is uh, is up for debate, and we will see how this unfolds. But I have my questions, and I, and I think it's completely reasonable to question whether a 34 year old center who recently retired how much he has left in the tank. I think that's reasonable. Best case scenario. Khalil either wins the starting job and is able to give the Jets a season of somewhat close to average play, or he pushes Jonathan Harrison to the point where Harrison lifts his game and Harrison is able to become the starter and give the Jets a season of around average play at center. Worst case scenario, Khalil either comes in here and doesn't play that well at center, or he ends up losing out altogether, and it turns out to have been nothing more than a depth move. Either way, there's no real major loss here. So regardless, there's only good that can come from this, very little bad that can come from it. And despite the fact that Chris and I both have reservations about this, 
it's definitely a solid move for the Jets because when you can bring in a guy with his resume and his experience at a position where you are very thin, at the very least, you're now providing your team with a second option as opposed to Jonathan Harrison, who, as we said, has never started an entire season at center. So we'll see how this develops, but as I said before, the only advice I will give to Jets fans is temper your expectations a little bit, at least around the center position. If you don't want to temper your expectations around the quarterback, I don't blame you because once again, Chris, today at camp, Sam Darnold was lighting it up. Yep, that you will not catch me trying to rain on this parade. Um, you're not going to get me trying to dump water on it, nothing. Nope, nope. Uh, I was joking with you right before we started recording that I'm starting to get slightly annoyed at Sam because uh, I'm not trying to write about him every day. But he's playing so great that I have no choice but to write about him every day. Every day I go and I watch practice, and every day he has to be one of my main takeaways because he is out here dealing. He is out here at full command of the offense, running the practice smoothly with very few hiccups, and the hiccups that do come mostly don't come from him. He is throwing the ball all over the place, throwing it deep, throwing it short, throwing it over the middle, into traffic, throwing guys open. He's making reading the defense. He's making you know getting pressured and rolling out and making plays on the run. He is doing every single thing a good quarterback is supposed to do. He's doing it all practice long, and he's doing it day after day. And he looks absolutely great out there. And, you know, this is a low bar that I'm, I'm talking about being cleared here. But I've, this is my 10th training camp, and I've only covered bad quarterbacks. But I have never seen a quarterback – come even close to being as good as he is at everything as consistently that every year there's hiccups in the practice the practices don't run smoothly because quarterbacks are messing something up they're kind of confused about one thing or another and sam is just coming in here and I, these are, practices are being run so much more efficiently and that's a large part because adam Gates deserves some credit for that too but uh, Sam Darnold is the biggest reason why. And, yeah, I have my doubts about Ryan Khalil. I do not have my doubts about Sam Darnold. Hey, guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Now that we've gushed over Sam Darnold, we should move on to the guys that Sam Darnold has been targeting. We've been talking a lot about Jamison Crowder because he's been one of the stars of camp. But there are two other pretty good receivers that Sam Darnold has to throw to, namely Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua, and they did very well today too. Yeah, Robbie had a beautiful catch on the sidelines. Uh, he was, I forget who it was that was covering him, but he was covering him pretty tightly. Robbie had to hit him with a comeback, and Sam had to throw it a little bit high because of the defender being where he was. And Robbie just extended his arm, snatched the ball, and just tiptoed, uh, planted them in the ground, and just dragged those, both those toes. It was a really beautiful uh, play. And Quincy Nunwa, again, 
all over the field, uh, sideline catches in the end zone. Uh, on one play, he uh, it, it was a little bit of a scare towards the end of practice. It, they ran a mesh play, um, kind of similar to yesterday, except this was uh, where, where Crowder uh, caught the touchdown on a pick play. But this was like from like 30 yards out. They ran a, a mesh play, and Jamal, Tremaine uh, Johnson ran into Jamal, knocked Jamal, uh, Jamal on the ground. Quincy was wide open for a 30-yard touchdown. Uh, it was a little bit of a scare. We thought Jamal might have been injured, something might have happened, but he ended up getting the wind knocked out of him. But Quincy was making plays again. He did have a drop uh, at one point. It was uh, the center came in, swiped away at it, but he dropped it. Uh, but he's just his size and his speed, the way he moves, uh, he gives such a big target for Sam. And then with oh, with Robbie and his speed, we know about. And then with Crowder, it's just a great a blend of skill and talent from that wide receiver position. And Darnold is making the best out of it. He is making use out of these guys' traits and making plays all over the place. There's another guy the Jets added this offseason who's a pretty good weapon, I'm told. Some running back named Le'Veon Bell. I heard he did pretty well today, too. Yes, 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 yes. Um, it was funny because after practice, uh, uh, Le'Veon talked and he said that, you know, today was the first day where he was like, all right, I want this contact. I want, I want to feel the thud. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this before. I always talk about it. It's really hard to talk about running backs in training camp. Uh, it's hard to tell. They always look good and it's hard to tell if they look good or if it's just training camp that makes them look that good. But he had a couple, and he's, he's had a couple plays where you could see uh, clearly um, early on camp, he's had a couple of plays where it was like, yeah, that's him. That's his speed. That's his quickness. That's his playmaking ability. And he had a couple more today. The most impressive one was Chase backed the offense all the way up, had him start uh, within their own five-yard line just to see, you know, like if there's a down punt within there or you have to take over on uh, after a failed fourth and goal try try to dig their way out and uh, <laughs> Sam came up to the line handed it off to uh, Bell and then he just sat there with his patent patient and then waited for a hole to open up and just shot right through the hole uh, would have exploded for at least 15-20 yards uh, Bell afterwards after practice was very uh, just gave all the credit to Sam and the offensive line he talked about how Sam uh, got everybody set, got everybody in the right position, and then they hit him with the defense with a hard count. Uh, the D, he said the D felt like the D was trying to, to be a little too patient. They were waiting for it back, think that Sam was trying to just draw him offside. And then he just sat there. The hole was there right away. He showed his pace, patience and waited for it to open up. The offensive line opened it up for him, and he went right through. And you, you could just see it all. You could see his everything that made Le'Veon Bell such a special running back. You could see that on display on this one play. It's all still there. 
Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Before we move on, I just have to say this because I'm tired of dealing with Steelers fans and it was happening again on Twitter today. If doing Instagram videos, making rap music, and not showing up to voluntary training camp, which is what most of the big stars do, including Father Ben, and if you don't know why I'm calling him Father Ben, Google Kevin Colbert, Ben Roethlisberger, 53 children, and you'll see. If those things are a huge problem for you, and that's why you're glad that an all-pro running back who is likely going to end up in the Hall of Fame someday is off your team, then you've got some serious soul-searching to do because that's absolutely insane. Yeah, fans, especially once a player leaves their team or isn't on, or just isn't on their team, they don't like players showing personality. They don't like players having fun at all. And it's weird because we've been talking about this since you know, before Le'Veon even signed here that he's painted as this huge problem child and I just don't see it with him. I, I just do not see it. He is, especially since he's come here, he has done nothing but go out of his way to talk up everybody else around him, to talk up his teammates, to talk up his coaches. Um, I just don't see it, man. He likes to rap. He loves music and he likes to rap. And you can question how good he is at it, but he's just trying to have fun. And these players, like he said in that uh, one video he did right before training camp, nobody goes to work and then just comes home and their life is just work too. Uh, like I mean, that's the, my dad's the closest person I know to that. But even he takes breaks from work. Even he likes to do other stuff every once in a while. Uh, players have to be able to do something else. They have to be able to have a, an escape from football something to do in their off time to get mad or to sit here and be like, I can't, I'm so happy this guy. All right, cool. Like, go ahead and keep the, keep defending Ben because we all know that Ben doesn't have any off the field concerns. He's, he's never been in the news for anything that happened off the, the field. So Le'Veon's always gotten this. It doesn't surprise me from the Steelers fans either because they seem to seek this out. They seem to go out of their way to, to find anything on Le'Veon Bell just so they can complain about him. As I joked earlier today, the same people that complain about this with guys like Le'Veon Bell and Odell Beckham Jr. are the same people that get upset when somebody twirls their bat after a home run or when a team runs up the score in a World Cup or in a major college or pro football game. Calm down, Grandpa. That's all I have to say. It's 2019. Relax. It's not the way it was in the 1950s. Like you said, Chris, guys don't have to just go home and keep their mouths shut. It's fine. As long as they're not doing something that's actually detrimental to the team, which if he does do that, if Le'Veon Bell starts doing things detrimental to the team, let me know and I'll be the first one to criticize. But in the meantime, while we are not criticizing Le'Veon Bell for fictional behavior that probably won't happen in the future, let's talk about another guy who likes to talk quite a bit and post stuff on Instagram, and that is Jamal Adams. Today, a little bit of an injury scare, and the events that occurred 
in the aftermath somehow involved our friend Paulie Brzez, he of the mother who makes the great Italian food. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Mike Garofolo was out there at practice today from the NFL Network. And I guess I, I'm not sure exactly how this whole exchange started. I just saw it briefly, but I guess he tweeted about uh, Jamal going down and then uh, Paulie tweeted at him and somehow somebody thought maybe a knee, a Paulie offered his knee up and then uh, Garofolo got Jamal after practice, a quick one-on-one thing. And then he made sure to let Jamal know that Paulie was out there offering his knee up to him. And Jamal was like, I'm good. Uh, I'll I'll stick with my knees. They're pretty good. I just got the wind knocked out of me. And, you know, no offense, Paulie, but even if uh, something did happen to that knee, I think he'd still just stick with his knee. Um, so that that was a funny little exchange. But, yeah, uh, it was definitely when I saw him go down, at first I couldn't tell it was him, and then we saw that it was him, and it was like, oh, boy, this is not going to go well. If You know, if I, if I thought fans were, were giving me a little bit much on my Khalil take, uh, they would have been a whole lot angrier if Jamal had gotten down some type of injury. But, uh, again, he's fine, and he doesn't need Paulie's knee. Yeah, Paulie, I love you, buddy. You're a Twitter legend. But even if his knee was completely shattered, it was probably still in better shape than yours is. So he's going to keep his knee, thankfully. You keep yours, and you do whatever it is you do with it down in your man cave, whether that's watching Monday Night Raw while simultaneously watching Monday Night Football. That's awesome, but it's not conducive to athletic knees. If he was going to take anyone's knees from the TOJ adjacent crowd, I would think that it would have been Connor Rogers, right? Yeah, that that probably get my my vote too. I I, go, I think that's safe. I definitely, uh, I, I, I'm not including this, but definitely don't take my knees. They've been bone on bone since high school. <laughs> I'm just going based on the combination of age, athleticism, and physical condition. Connor's knee would probably make the most sense at this point. Sorry, Paulie. Please don't disinvite us from when your mom makes meatballs. You said that we were invited sometimes, so. Just because it made fun of your knees, don't disinvite us from the Italian food. But while we're talking about Italian food, let's talk about a guy who I'm sure has eaten a lot of Italian food in his time because he's over 300 pounds. That's Nathan Shepard. Things not looking so great for him. He's losing some reps to Kyle Phillips. Yeah, I don't know how much to read into this uh, again because every day somebody new is getting rotated in with first team, second team stuff. Um, it, he was. It's not like he didn't get any second team reps. He was definitely out there next to Quinn and Williams a, a handful of times today. He, uh, I didn't even notice that he he missed the ones that he did uh, today. And this is a. I just want to make this clear because uh, somebody had tweeted. Uh, Connor actually said something. Uh, Connor Hughes said something about the guy polite today on Twitter, and then somebody else came back and you know said that. Well, Chris Bimley said. I said this about him the other day. Sometimes it's just a matter of where we are on the sidelines, uh, especially now. It, it used to be different when I first started. We had the whole sidelines to roam up and down. Now they put the players on the sidelines with us, and they're standing in the middle of the field. So the reporters have to go to one end of the sideline or the other end of the sideline to try to be able to see. So you can be sitting on one side, and you have a perfect view of the defense from from the back you get to see the whole defense or you could be on the other side and you get to see from the back of the whole offense if you're on the offense side 
you're not going to get to see who who's necessarily in uh, every play uh, on the defense and vice versa. So sometimes that happens and that can lead to conflicting reports from reporters. Um, it can cause confusion here. So, you know, I don't know if I just missed the Kyle Phillips in for Nathan Shepard on uh, those one sets of reps, but he, w- he was still getting second team reps. Now, I haven't seen him make a play. I haven't seen him do anything. Uh, you know, Nathan Shepard I'm talking about, I haven't seen him do a single thing this training camp where I was like, oh, look, there's Canadian Thanos. Um, there, there's Shepard making plays. I haven't seen that at all. Um, but again, we've talked about this. Uh, Harvey Langley getting worked in and out. Uh, Frankie Louvu, Brandon Copeland got some first team reps today. And I expect Brandon Copeland and Frankie Louvu to both take, uh, reps in game. Um, so that's not a surprise, but people get moved in and out. Um, Greg Williams is doing that a little bit more than Top Bowles or Rex Ryan used to do. So I don't know how much to read into this. And then there's also just the distinct possibility that they wanted to give Nathan Shepard a couple plays off or he tweaked something. So uh, everybody, people want to go into this and make, try to make things into a huge deal, but I, I don't ever really know how much to read into just a handful of plays here and there. I take a look at, you know, Blake Cashman at this point has gotten so many reps with the first team that it means something. The first couple times I saw it, I was like, oh, that's interesting, and made a mental note of it. Now this is like, this was practice number seven today. I think out of the seven practices, I think at least four practices, Blake Cashman has gotten a chunk of first-team reps. That means something to me. Uh, if if Kyle Phillips is getting, uh, you know, reps over Nathan Shepard for the next four practices, then that'll mean something to me. Right now I'm, I'm just going to wait and see. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Two guys that are fighting for roster spots, helping each other look good today. Quarterback Luke Falk and wide receiver Tim White, who's been one of the surprises of training camp so far. Yeah, this this would be good uh, when, when you like to ask me if there's been any surprises at camp. This, this would would be my answer. Tim White has uh, had a very nice couple of days. He looked really good yesterday. He caught a, a touchdown pass today. He looks had another impressive performance, and again, this you know, I if most years I'd be saying, hey, that looks pretty nice. Maybe this guy a chance to put some tape on during the preseason games, get noticed by another team. But right now, with this with this receiver group, with the depth issues that they have outside of that top three, and even if you want to give go ahead and pencil Deontay Burnett in that fourth uh, spot of the wide receiver chart. There, there's a fifth and a sixth spot open available right now. Um, you know, if Dorch can snatch, snatch the, uh, receive, the returner job, then he might be able to fill in there. But right now, it's, it's comfortable. If you're asking me to rank the top receivers, Tim White is sitting there right behind Deontay Burnett from what he's done this uh, training camp. He's he's looked really good just a few moments here and there, but he looks like he can play football. He can play at a decent level here in the NFL. Before we head into the locker room, let's talk about the rookies. What did you see today? Quinn and Williams. Today was about Quinn and Williams. He did it with the against the second-team offense, but he made two plays where he was, was – Showed just how disruptive he is. He just shot through the line, t- 
tackled uh, on one play. He shot through the line, tackled Elijah McGuire, like literally as he was getting the ball handed to him. Uh, brought him right down for a loss. He made another run-stuffing play, uh, very similar, beating Adoga. Um, he, you can see his quickness. You can see him getting a little more comfortable. Gaze talked about it after practice. That, that you can see. You can see him out here making plays and getting more and more comfortable on the field. Um, and yeah, it, it's just against the second team, but still, it's progress. We're seeing more and more from him, and I fully expect that you're going to see a lot more of that once the preseason starts up, and then a, a whole bunch more once the regular season does. Now let's go inside the locker room. What did Adam Gase have to say? Yeah, Gase just talked about a lot of the same stuff as he has been talked about Sam Darnold, about uh, how his work ethic is what he likes the most, and you can see and tell how much more comfortable he is in this, uh, running this offense, how in control he is. He talked about Le'Veon Bell being here and how he's excited about the things that he can do there. And then he talked about, I guess, that Quinn and Williams and his performance and how you can see a little bit more coming uh, coming on. He's making progress, and he expects to see him doing a lot of damage once the preseason rolls around. After Adam Gase, four players talked, including Jamal Adams, Quincy Inunua, Kelvin Beecham, and the aforementioned Le'Veon Bell. What did they have to say today? Yeah, well, I'll just put this out of the way. I don't really know what Kelvin Beecham said because he brought his little one-year-old child out and who is adorable, and that, that, that I couldn't, I wasn't listening to a word he said. <laughs> the kid was just sitting there playing with the microphone, making faces, and I was just like, "All right, teach him. You're not going to say anything that exciting anyway." So I was more entertained by the kid. Um, it's, it's with uh, Jamal, Jamal's big thing is I don't know if anybody saw this, but he was riding this. I don't know if it was a motorized bicycle, but it was, it was something Rontez Miles had videoed him riding in, and he had this big like straw hat that he was wearing. Jamal did. He was wearing that today in the press conference. He said that he was wearing that to block out the sun, but also to block out his haters, uh, which is interesting. Uh, I don't, I don't know how many haters Jamal has. Obviously, he's, he's got some, but I don't know if he needs a, a hat to block him out. I think most people just genuinely, genuinely respect him right now. So I don't think that's something he really has to worry about too much, but. Uh, and that was a, a funny little thing there. Uh, Quincy, Quincy talked about this offense. He talked about how excited he is about the offense because of the dynamic playmakers on offense. Those are the words he used with the way that they all match up together. Again, with Robbie's speed on the outside, being able to take guys, to take the top off the defense. Quincy being able to work more in the immediate and then Crowder and Herndon and then Le'Veon Bell as well. Open things up for everybody else. He also talked about how there was, you know, a, a different dynamic uh, for him now because since he's been here, it was Rex Ryan and Todd Bowles as the uh, head coach. Both those guys, obviously, defensive guys. Now Adam Gase is the offensive guy, so he's got a little bit more of a hands-on, hand-on-hand relationship or hands-on relationship with the head coach now. So the head coach is spending most of his time on the offense uh, as opposed to the head coach spending most of his time on the defense. So he says that's an interesting dynamic um, and something that he likes because he knows, okay, well, 
my head coach is somebody that I'm interacting with a lot more. Um, and then, yeah, he talked about that mesh play where Jamal went down. Um, give a little bit of uh, details on just the idea of, like, a rub versus a pick play. And he said, you know, it's subjective. Like, refs, every ref will call it differently. Uh, but basically the goal is to have exactly what happened on this play. You got two receivers run as close together as possible. And you don't want the either of the receivers to be the one initiating the contact with the defender. But what you want to do is run the defenders into each other. And that's exactly what happened on the play today. The play of the Carter yesterday, uh, Rodney Anderson actually ran into the defender. The rest just didn't call it. Today, the, the receivers are so close that they literally ran Tremaine into Jamal Adams. And the offensive player didn't do anything, didn't touch him at all. So that would have been a completely legal the play and would have gone for a touchdown there. And with Le'Veon Bell, he says he's starting to feel a little bit better. Things are sticking a little bit more, a little bit better. He called the offensive line group a special group. He said that they can get dirty and he loves running behind them. Um, as far as he was asked about, uh, you know, plays, if he's talked to Gase about which plays he's more comfortable with and which ones he likes. And he said they've discussed that, but he's more worried and more concerned about the plays that the offensive line likes. Whatever the offensive line likes, whatever they want to run is what he wants to run. Whatever Gaze wants to run is what he wants to run. And then he also he said about Sam that it's really cool, it's been really fun to watch Sam grow. Even in just this week, you can see him making improvements and growing more. And says it's the first time he's ever had a quarterback that was younger than him. In high school, his quarterback was older. He had Kirk Cousins in college. Obviously, he had Ben in the NFL. So this is the first time he's watched a young quarterback. And uh, then he also went on to call Adam Gase a mastermind. He says he's been sitting there in practice, and he's just watching him. Kind of like how the coaches sit there and watch the players. And as reporters sit there and watch the players, he's been scouting Adam Gase. Uh, during practice while he's not in, if he's off on the sidelines, he's just watching Gates. He's watching him play calls. He's watching to see, you know, how his mind works, what he sees. If he sees this happen on a play, how he counters that. So I, I thought it was a little bit much to go ahead and call him a mastermind, but he has, like I said earlier, he has been nothing short of effusive uh, of his praise for Gates and his teammates since he's been here. He is a very big deal, not only on this podcast, but at training camp every day where you will see him if you attend. And of course, is Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com. Chris, thanks so much for joining me to recap day number eight at training camp and talk about the acquisition of Ryan Khalil. I'm sure that it was much easier talking to me than it was getting ratioed on Twitter. It's a cool world out there, Chris. It's a cool world. But still, people should follow you on Twitter, and they should read your work. You've got your three observations up. So why don't you let everybody know how they can follow you, how they can read your work, and what they should expect in your three observations. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. You can find my work up at JetsInsider.com. And, yeah, I got the three observations up today. Just, uh, like I said, let's start here. I'm, I'm not trying to write about Sam every day, but he's just been that good that I'm forced to, and I'm sure Jets fans probably aren't getting sick of, of reading about it, so that, that's good. Yeah, a little bit touched on Quinn and Williams and, um, and Le'Veon Bell and his play with a, a nice long quote from him about how that play worked 
broke down. And I'll have a bunch more coming up in the next couple of days. We'll get some uh, more information on Ryan Khalil and obviously see how that goes and see how these next couple practices goes. Uh, but working on a bunch of other features and stuff coming up soon. But we'll we'll see when exactly I'm going to drop them. But we'll have plenty of Jets content for you in the next couple of days over at JetsInsider.com. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimily and at Jets Insider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. Read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.